Coming up this week on the Smitty and Mitty Show. The OHL season kicks off and we'll talk London Nights with Kyle Grimard, the co-host of the Night Shift Podcast. Plus MLB, NFL, and more. It starts now. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Smitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. (laughs) This is the Smitty Mini Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here across the TSMS radio network as well as streaming on the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast platforms that you are listening on right now. Thank you for tuning in. Big thank you as well goes out to our sponsors, Goldline Curling, the choice of champions, and Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial. Life is brighter under the sun. Joining me from the other side of my TV screen and in his, I'm assuming his bedroom, not with me in studio, Mr. Tyler Middleton. Sir, how are we doing? Oh, good. I would, uh, I'd recommend you not have kids. Oh. Like if just, just in general. See, I was supposed to hop on this interview with you coming up in just a little bit, and I didn't make it because... Both of my kids are screaming, so there you go. But they're both asleep now, I think, or at least quiet. So that's a victory. But how the uh, the the how the interview go? Was it good? Good, yeah. As the uh, as the listeners will hear here in about uh, 10, 12 minutes time, uh, very well. Talk to Kyle Grimard this week. Uh, he is the co-host of the Night Shift podcast. They talk about the London Knights there, and we're going to talk about the London Knights and kick off the season. So fair warning to those listening in the Owen Sound region. I think we'll try to have someone from the Owen Sound attack on next week to even things out because that's usually how we like to do things. We could eventually. We are going to have Freddie Wallace hop back on because Freddie uh, announced his retirement just a little bit ago, so we're going to have him on to talk uh, about all that and his amazing illustrious uh, career and everything that is Freddie. If you want to talk about the attack quick, we could just talk about the fact that, uh, as voted on by a bunch of the media, there was a a, a ranking. That came out recently of this year's OHL season. And uh, both of our listening areas are looking pretty, pretty good. The Knights are coming in at first, but I would assume that's that's uh, hoping that Easton Cowan is back. I think it probably hinges a lot on that as well. But also, uh, the Onsen Attack, I think. Number four. Coming up fourth? Yeah, I was just trying to find it to make sure. But I think it was... I was going to say it was either three or five, so we'll meet in the middle and say four. But either way, uh, a good chance of a successful season. Colby Barlow siding uh, with the Jets as well. Uh, I don't. That doesn't mean he's going to stay there. It just means that he will probably play some regular season games before, or at least some exhibition games before pro- possibly, hopefully, uh, for the attack's sake, being sent back. And it should be an exciting year for everyone in our listening area. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully Barlow, I I think that means he'll probably be back for a majority of the season, Um, but we'll wait and see. NHL camps are going on right now, so a lot of these OHL guys, uh, the higher caliber ones, are uh, are at NHL camps right now. So we're just waiting to see who comes back. Kind of just to go off our listening area, three out of the top four ranked teams in the OHL this year are directly in our listening areas. Ottawa 67 is coming in at number three. Owen Sound Attack at four, the Knights at number one. So kudos. Wow. Everybody, everybody who's listening to us has good news coming in to the start of the OHL season. I mean, that's good for us. It's good content. We really should talk Ottawa at some point. I know we were trying to get the uh, the Talking Senators guys on uh, to talk about the Sens in the upcoming season, maybe some of the 67s while we were doing that. Um, I'll try to follow up. We'll see if we can get that done here in the next couple of weeks, too, before... You always shall see him kicking. Oh, goodness. Oh, that's a big yawn, sir. That's I a know. Big yawn. Late night recording sessions. Uh, if you're listening to this at 10 in the morning, he's not waking up. We just record this late at night. Uh, so Kyle Grimard will join me in the second segment of the show. Talk a little bit about the London Knights in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, what else did you want to get to this week? Obviously, the MLB playoffs right around the corner. Um, by the time this episode gets out, the regular season is going to be just about all but wrapped up. 
Uh, NFL is a few weeks deep at this point. Some big stuff to talk about there. Like, where do we begin this show, Mr. Middleton? Uh, I don't know. Let's, let's let's start with the NFL. Let's do the NFL. That's what I'm choosing. I'm letting you take the show this week because I feel like last week I did too much talking. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's just how we work, though. Like, this is 155 episodes now of you doing most of the talking. That's like, yeah, that's but I'm going to let you actually direct me this time. I'm not just going to ramble for an hour. I'm going to let you do the hosting work okay. and actually direct me where to go. Okay. Well, since we already pre-talked about what we wanted to talk about, let's go there and talk about probably one of the bigger stories in week three, and that is the absolute demolition that happened at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. The Dolphins putting out 70 points on the ha-ha Denver Broncos, a 70-20 to 20 win. Where so you're telling, me, you're telling me that the top story in the NFL is not the fact that T-Swift was in KC? Well, that's your top story if you're just a new to football. Is it the top story? It might be. Is that where we're beginning? Or are we talking about the 70-20 to 20 slashing of the Broncos? Do you think that they're actually dating? Oh, 100%. Did it not look a little set up? I don't know. Sitting right beside your mom? Come on. Do you see the video of them walking out of the stadium afterwards? And like she was doing, for somebody who would have just met, I think, her her significant other there, like they they would have met like what, a couple weeks ago max? No. No. I think she turned them down at first, no? Yeah, but that doesn't mean they haven't been talking, right? And think about it. Kids these days, think about how quick those relationships move. I just think to kids these days, I think to be like that excited over a touchdown for a team that you don't like, she was, she's, she's a noted Eagles fan. All right. So what you're, what I'm, what I'm hearing from this out of your voice is that this is fake. No way this lasts. And we're going to get a new Taylor Swift album about breaking up with a football star. I think what, what, what I'm saying is they played it. She played it up. She, she's a good uh, publicity person. I think they're probably seeing each other. I think they've probably gone out to dinner. They're probably talking in the early stages of a relationship. I don't think that they're as far along as she made it look. Really? You know what I, I mean? I, I don't know. I feel like it's um you're in a relationship. You're two, uh, I'm going to say two stars. And as I've learned on social media over the last little bit, apparently very differing levels of stars. Like obviously Taylor Swift is like mecca of mecca of stars but apparently not as many people know kelsey as you would think so well, not yeah. as many people that know taylor swift would know Travis kelsey there's not yeah. a lot of teenage girls who are deep into the to one of the best tight ends to ever play like i don't think they care about that i think they're learning about travis kelsey for the first time here did you see by the way that the nfl this week on sunday morning they are playing over in uh it, they're doing one of their um uh, their England games. Uh, the other ones, by the way, the Bills are playing. I'm kind of excited for that. And they're doing this Disney recre- recreation with Toy Story animations. Really weird. Like, they're going to do the game in live time, but as an animated recreation. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Did the NHL not do this at, like, the All-Star game or something? Am I imagining this? Did that not happen? I mean, I don't remember that, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Like, I, I don't even know. The have... NHL did something similar where they basically had it as like, I don't know what if, if it was a certain cartoon or if it was just animated, but they basically had a cartoon version of the game using the player tracking and the puck tracking and all that. I'm pretty sure this is what the NFL is doing. Are they not? I think what you're thinking of is NHL 99, I think, Am which I... apparently which apparently I heard was uh, the intro was recorded at the Altman in Stratford. Oh, I heard that rumor. Well, Interesting. It might be. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at that, but I did hear that's the Lindros one, right? 99. I think so. I think so. I think I heard it was because he played for the, uh, what the Cullitons? Is that what they were? I don't even remember what they were back. Uh, I think you're thinking of Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger played for the Cullitons back in the day. I don't know if Lindros I, did. I'm pretty sure you did. Look he that might've. up. He might have looked that up. Check mine all. But what I'm saying is, uh, who who is this for? Is my question. Like, who is this for? Because my five year old daughter, who likes Toy Story, isn't going to sit down and watch football with me 
And I'm pretty sure a 20-year-old man's not going to sit down and watch a Toy Story game. So who is it truly for? Like, I'm not, if I'm going to sit down and watch football, I'm going to make my kids watch football. I'm not watching the Toy Story one just so I can watch the game. That's ridiculous. Well, What's the I, point of this? I, obviously, they've put some thought. You would think they would put some thought into it. And obviously, they figured out that this is something they want to do. Somebody's got to be watching, right? Like somebody, I don't think so. Somebody they're trying to get the attention of has got to be watching this. Like it was one thing when they did, like when they do the Nickelodeon games. That's kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, it's kind of fun actually. I don't mind watching those. There's slime. slime. The yeah, yeah. There's SpongeBob and like all over the place. Like I can, get, I can get behind that. And it's got a kid element to it, but to completely throw it as a kid's cartoon seems weird. I don't understand who that's for. But we we can talk about the seventy points now. Okay, the seventy point game. Yeah. Is, oh, what just, is what, just just that record-breaking 70-point game. Just the 70-point game, right? Like, what, what is there to talk about? What is Almost record-breaking. Okay, so that, that kind of leads us into... So head coach Mike McDaniel obviously elects to not break the record, which, if I'm not mistaken, stood at 72. Or was there a game at 73 and they were tying it? No, 72 oh, was the 72 record. was the record in a playoff game. Why like, why not go for it? Obviously, they've got to know, right? Someone's got to be in the ear, their ear telling them, if they didn't know already, that they've got a chance for the record. Why not go for it? Is there it any- doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me because his explanation in the post game uh, was that they're trying to build a culture of winning and he thought it sent the wrong message and something, 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 bull. Really, it's like... It's like the the Broncos were sitting on 68 points and they needed to kneel to take the win. The Bro- they're up by 50. I think they could have afforded to try and kick the field goal and miss it. They probably could have given the ball back to the Broncos at that point. I don't think it was that much of a concern. Well, really, what point are you going to have the opportunity to break that record again? And maybe, maybe this Miami team is just truly is the best offensive football team ever in the NFL, which it kind of looks like they might be if Tua can stay on the field and use jiu-jitsu roles to uh, to stay on the field. But when are you going to have time to – like, when are you going to have the chance to do that again? I feel like he's just a weird guy. Yeah, I because I, I, I was shaking my head at it because you're not obviously – even with a high-power offense, you're not going to get that chance. And is it like you didn't want to make the other team feel – you're already winning by 50. If you're trying not to make the Broncos feel bad, they felt bad after the halftime. Like, they scored 10 touchdowns. Post. 10. 10 touchdowns. Right? Didn't pull up at any point. Nobody nobody kneeled on the one because you didn't want to take that extra point. You scored 10 touchdowns, eight of them from backs, from running backs. Right? It's like in hockey, like minor hockey, when you're up by 10 and they're like, ah, oh, I can't score anymore. We don't want to embarrass them. Oh, that job's done. That's 750 job's plus done. yards. 700 yards. That's ridiculous. A, yeah, talk about a good week to have some some dolphins on your fantasy team. Did you have any? I do not, but who do you think the two highest scoring dolphins were that game? Tua? No? Okay. It actually might have been Tua. You don't even know. You asked me a question and you don't know the answer. Okay, top three scoring then. I don't know. It it was Tua and then their two running backs. Was it I did sorry, I didn't watch the game. Was it a lot of like yards on the ground? Uh, it was a lot of year, and like I said, each each of their two running backs had four touchdowns apiece. They had quite the day on the yard. One of the the backup quarterback, uh, I can't even pronounce his name, so I'm not going to try. But he started the day with zero points in fantasy and ended the day as the number three running back in, in football. So he had quite have a day. Quite have a day is what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, just kick the field goal. Like, I feel like it's even more embarrassing not to kick the field. Break the record. Break the record. At this point, everybody, I think the Broncos wanted you to break the record. What's more embarrassing? Have more points. What's more embarrassing when you're playing baseball and you're losing by so, just because we're baseball guys, you're losing by so bad or so much that they put in a position player or when they just keep scoring and they beat you by 20. I'd rather just get beaten by 20 than, than have. Uh, the shortstop coming to pitch. There's nothing more embarrassing than when a position player comes into pitch. I think plain and simple, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, uh, we got to go hit a break here. We'll have some OHL hockey talk on the other side of the break. Kyle Grimard will join us, uh, join myself at least, to talk about the London Knights and their upcoming season that kicks off this weekend. Uh, so we'll have that on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Smitty Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things, get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. It may be warm outside, but it's never too early to get ready for the upcoming curling season. Check out the new Goldline catalog and gear up for the 2023-24 season. You can download a copy or request a physical one at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. You're listening to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Just Smitty joining you here for this segment and hopping on the show to join me. We've got some OHL hockey coming up in the next week as the season kicks off. And Kyle Grimard from Country 104 and the Night Shift Podcast will join me to kick off the season. Kyle, thanks for hopping on. Pleasure to see you again. Yeah, I know. Great to be back on the podcast as well. And uh, no, you're right. It's uh, exciting. This is the week of. We've been leading up with a lot of preseason and a lot of rankings and whatnot. And finally, the regular season gets going in the OHL. And we'll get into all of that. We'll dive into the London Knights and then uh, maybe some OHL as well at the back end of the show as we uh, kick off this week here, the London Knights home opener Friday night against the Niagara Ice Dogs at the Budweiser Gardens. Let's get started and talk a little bit about this year's London Knights. Obviously, the way that last season ended, probably still sitting a little bit sour in some people's mouths, uh, just two wins shy of, of getting to the big dance. But the London Knights have a lot to look forward to this year, Kyle, because they have a lot of returning players, a lot of those guys still at OHL camps. But I would say overall, the Knights can be pretty optimistic heading into the season. Well, yeah, you mentioned it. Normally in the in the OHL, there's a lot of turnover. You see a lot of teams, Peterborough, for example, who won the OHL championships. They don't have the same number of players coming back. Sarnia, who really loaded up last year and really went for it. Big names like Ethan Del Mastro and, um, uh, and Luca Del Belus up front as well. Guys of that caliber are not going to be returning to that team. And you've got the London Knights who have roughly 16 to 17 returning players. Logan May is not one of them. Ryan Winterton's not one of them as well, but Easton Cowan, who's been creating a lot of buzz over at Leafs camp, he's going to be returning. Denver Barkey, two of the guys who formed one of the top lines in the OHL playoffs last year, he's returning. Oliver Bonk, a first-round selection of the Philadelphia Flyers, he's returning as well. And, of course, the news just breaking earlier today, the trade for Michael Simpson from said Peterborough Peets, who defeated London in the finals. So they get a veteran starter in that, a guy who they can rely upon to start the majority of games this season they're loaded from front to back. They started off the OHL rankings as the number one team before this season began, and there's good reason for it. Obviously, you named off a bunch of the returning players there for the London Knights that are coming back this year uh, with a little bit of vengeance, looking forward to uh, improving on what was a very successful campaign uh, in 22-23. They look forward to this year an OHL that might open up a little bit and the London Knights already coming in. You mentioned it, the OHL rankings coming out earlier this week, the Knights on top of those OHL rankings, who do we look at as maybe one of the top competitors who is going to be the biggest thorn in the side of the London Knights if they have their way this season? Well, I mean, it's, it sounds funny because Kitchener is always a team that has given London a run for their money. You know, even last year, two years prior, when the Kitchener Rangers entered the playoffs, Mike Stubbs, who's the voice of the London Knights, said it. He said, it's the best eight seed I've ever seen. And all they did was go in last year and knock off the number one seed Windsor Spitfires, who made the trade for Shane Wrights towards the end of the season. And Kitchener had their way with them. And Kitchener gave London some fits last year. And just with that rivalry, I would expect a similar response from them as well. If I look over to the Eastern Conference, Ottawa has always suited a very good team. Flint has always found their way to be a really competitive, a really fun team over the last few years as well. They might be a team that sneaks up too, but any of those rival games, Sarnia, despite losing all those pieces, they have always given London a hard time over the last couple of seasons. They've just found a way to stay within games and make life a lot tougher on the London Knights, but 
if there's two teams I'm looking for, it's Kitchener just for the sake of being a much better team than the, the standings really give them credit for. And then Ottawa over in the Eastern Conference, I think they're going to be a really good team. Uh, looking forward to the London's own division, four straight Midwest titles for London, but uh, the Owen Sound attack also looking like another team that is going to improve on last year, could be a thorn in the sides of the London Knights. And uh, the OHL, the Memorial Cup, uh, the hosts, Saginaw Spirit, Michael Misa, another team that uh, at least on paper, at least early on, Kyle, look like they could be another one of those top three teams in the OHL's Eastern or Western Conference, pardon me. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, those are two teams I, I I failed to mention, but, you know, Colby Barlow looks like he might return as well to the uh, Owen Sound attack who, you know, he led that team in goals. He was dealing with injuries towards the end of the season as well and just still looked like a dominant player regardless. So he'll come back as the captain from last year's team as well. And yeah, you know, you mentioned it. Saginaw was a team that had a really fun year last year. There weren't a lot of maybe high aspirations, but you never know with so much turnover in the OHL. They end up making the postseason. They win a round. They get to experience what that's like. They get a chance to go into the second round and play the Sarnia Sting and get a feel for what moving past the first round feels like. And then you mentioned Michael Misa last year, who was over a point-per-game player as an um, uh, early eligible player in the OHL. He's going to be that much better this year. And you know, there's a reason they want to put some of these younger players on display for in junior hockey to give them a chance to be seen by more than just their markets or maybe just their leagues. There's going to be a lot more eyes this year on Michael Misa than there were last. Okay, so let's go back to the London Knights, talk a little bit about uh, some of the players that are returning and who we can look at this season uh, with the Knights lineups. And we'll go right to the trade that you mentioned. Uh, breaking earlier today, uh, earlier this week, by the time that this episode gets out, Michael Simpson, the London native, is on his way to the Budweiser Gardens as the London Knights make a trade. It's basically a goalie swap here, Kyle, and the Knights are going to get a very good local goaltender. Well, they're going to get a very good and a very proven local goaltender as well. Of course, he had such an exceptional run last year in the playoffs and even had very, very strong showings in the Memorial Cup. But it just gives them a guy who, you know, I, I, I liked what Zach Bowen had last year for them in stretches, especially after Brett Brochu went down with an injury. Zach Bowen came in halfway through a series and then played exceptionally well against the Sarnia Sting to eventually pro uh, propel the London Knights onto the OHL finals. But this just gives London a guy who maybe they're a little bit more, they have a little bit more faith in. They also really liked what they saw in backup Owen Wilmore, who has really progressed well within their organization from where he started to where he is now. He is light years ahead. I think I look at a stat and from last year and albeit just three games, but Owen Wilmore had a goals against average of 1.42 in the playoffs and a save percentage well above 940 as well. So he is a guy that showed in glimpses that he can come in in relief and give them some really good starts and some really good games as well. But I just think, this stabilizes the goaltending position. Maybe the one that people could poke questions at because the defense is locked from, from top to bottom. Their offense looks like it's going to be just as good as last year, if not better from the growth of some of the, um, some of the returning players. But you know, that, that goaltending move really stabilizes that position and really the roster from, from top to bottom. Yeah, it's interesting to look at because I don't think the Knights goaltending duo uh, was a worry before, but certainly this, as you mentioned, stabilizes it, certainly improves it. Uh, you, you were talking about Owen Wilmore. I got the chance to see him for a season when he was with the St. Thomas Stars. And from the start of that season to the end of that season, the improvement that he had was tremendous. And then you look at what he did last year as well. It has just been phenomenal to see him improve. If that's your number two, if that's your backup guy who's going to come in maybe 30, 40% of the games, then that is a pretty good deal for the London Knights and something that they can look forward to this year. Well, you're 100% right. And not to mention, too, in this past year's OHL selection, uh, priority selection, sorry, they drafted Alexei Medvedev in the second round. So they used some decent draft capital on a goaltender. Who they, they might be looking at a guy who could come in as early as next year, potentially, to rival for the starting position. So they've drafted and they've, they've invested in that position this past draft. They go out and they make a move for a guy for this year. And then moving forward, they'll see what happens. But they're, they feel like they're in a very good spot in goal for the next couple of years. All right, now moving on to the gentleman up front that has probably been creating the most buzz, at least here uh, in London in southwestern Ontario with a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs fans in the area, and that is Easton Cowan, who the Knights will expect to be back uh, for another season here. Not going to crack the Toronto Maple Leafs lineup, but Kyle, he has done a fantastic job at creating buzz and showing, I think more importantly, 
Kyle, I'm not a Leafs fan, but a lot of questions surrounded the Maple Leafs picking Easton Cowan in the first round. It was higher than where he was expected to go. And I think this first week of training camp in the NHL has kind of quieted all, all the haters. Well, it's given people an opportunity to actually watch him. And that's not a discredit on anybody who was talking about Easton Cowan before he was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs. But just when you get a sense of a guy and you haven't seen him, you often just go to the stats, you go to the numbers, you go to his height, you go to his weight, and then you make your assumptions from there. But then you get a chance to watch him play. And not only is he a guy that goes hard to the net, he goes into the corners, he's a hard worker, he's an energy bug. And from what I've heard from some individuals around the London Knights organization. He has not skipped a workout all summer long. So he is not only taking this draft selection by the Toronto Maple Leafs as an honor, but he has taken it to with pride and with heart and is going out and proving to everybody why he deserves to be a first round pick. And we saw it in his very first preseason game, a goal and an assist. He played some meaningful minutes. Sheldon Keith even came out and said, I was trying to find ways to not give him too much ice because every time he was out there, he was doing something special with the puck. And it's nice that that draft pick is now getting rewarded with people actually getting a chance to see what type of player he is and kind of put two and two together and understand why the Leafs went out of their way to select him. Well, and obviously, I mean, uh, Easton Cowan, a local guy, Mount Bridges, now into Kamoka Jr. B, up to the Knights, and now uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's done everything about as close to home as you possibly can. But another guy, when we talk about Wilmore and his improvement every year at such a steady pace, that has been Easton Cowan as well. And a lot of it, as you mentioned there, you can credit to the work ethic. Uh, everybody you've talked to throughout every step of his hockey journey will say the exact same thing. There's almost nobody in the game who works harder. No, there, there really isn't. And that's the that's the mindset and the mentality that the Hunters instill, and not just players on their team, but you saw it, guys who end up going to play Junior B, that that mentality doesn't leave just because you're not a part of the Lights, uh, the Knights organization. And he showed it from Junior B, worked his way onto the Knights roster, and then never left it. And then at the back half of the season, he was a point-per-game player. And then in the playoffs, he only improved and was over a point-per-game player. So uh, it's just, it is nice to see a local kid who has worked so hard his whole life. And really, I've had a chance to see it over the last couple of years, but it's really grown into fruition and given them a spotlight and a little bit of praise that I think was well-deserved. Oliver Bonk back on the back end for the London Knights this season. Another guy that looked uh, pretty good at the uh, NHL camps with training camps happening this past week. Is the back end the best in the OHL? Because it certainly seems like they've got things pretty well set in the defensive category this season. It's got to be right up there. It was up there last year as well, rivaling the Sarnia staying with Christian Cairo and, uh, and, and that whole back end last year. But this year, essentially... Logan Mayu is the big name that comes off the books. He's with the Montreal Canadiens program right now. He'll probably go to the AHL and eventually work his way up. But Oliver Bonk's going to step in right there to that top slot. And he looked like about as steady as a defenseman as you could ask for. I think it was just a luxury that he was on the second pair last year because you had such depth. But now they went out and they added a defender as well. And Henry Brustevich from the Niagara Ice Dogs, a similar deal that they made a year prior with them. For Sam Dickinson, who I said last year was one of the best 16-year-olds I think I've ever seen. On top of that, Isaiah George is going to return as well, not to mention Jackson Edward and Ethan McKinnon. So you've got seven very, very high-quality OHL defensemen. One guy who I think uh, in, um, in Dickinson could be a top-10 pick in the NHL draft. He might be even higher than that. And not to mention Alec Leonard kind of rounding out that defensive core, but it's really hard to go up against any other team and go player for player, at least on paper and look and say that team has a better decor right now. Cause I just think London is in a very good position. And because of the players that they acquired, it looked like they were only going to be really great for this year and maybe have some guys leave after this year with the overage and everything like that. But now it looks like they've set up themselves up at least for the next two years with the acquisition of Brustavich as well. All right, we've talked about like 15-plus returning guys for the Knights this year. Uh, let's talk about some of the new faces. Kasper Houghton out of Helsinki, Finland. One of the new guys that's been talked about a fair amount here. Uh, break us down what we might get from the Finnish forward here this season. 
Well, immediately you look at him and he's a he's a big presence on that front end. He's going to play right up the middle with the Knights losing guys like Sean McGurn and Ryan Winterton. He is a very welcome addition to that top unit. He'll slot right in on the top on the top centering line because he is that type of player. He already has an NHL caliber shot and he has already slowly started to work with and practice with Denver Barkey before players went off to NHL development camps as well. But the first thing you're going to notice is his side and his release. It is up there in terms of an NHL release already. He's going to get a chance to really put it on full display in the OHL. And right now you're seeing why the San Jose Sharks are so happy with him because there there was buzz immediately when he came over and announced that he was going to be with London this year. You know he's going to get a couple eyes looking at him and his shot is for real, his size is too. And it's going to be very exciting to see what he does with some of the caliber, caliber players coming back. Now, obviously you look at the London Knights and obviously there's an expectation of where the Knights need to be this year, what they need to accomplish um, coming into the OHL rankings as the number one team to start the season. Obviously with the Hunters, the expectations always high, but what is a good expectation for this London Knights team this year, Kyle? Is there one, is it, you know, championship or bust here in 23, 24? I mean, it's it, you'd like to think that's a mindset for most teams, right? Because you're ultimately trying to get to a championship to give yourself a chance to win one. But listen, the Knights have made the playoffs for the last 22 consecutive seasons. It's not a secret. I think 23, actually. But it's not a secret that this team has had prolonged success for some time now. But with the run they had last year, with the movement they made for Brustavich and for Simpson and Nett, you could say that London has a very good opportunity at making another run and potentially winning an OHL championship and competing for a Memorial Cup. Now, I'm not going to say it's a bust if they make it to the third round of the OHL finals and they lose to a hot team or a hot goaltender, but there is a whisper in the locker room. The guys who played the last couple of preseason games are kind of over it because they're ready for the regular season. There is unfinished business. That taste of that loss to Peterborough is still in their mouth. You could make the argument that maybe losing the OHL goaltender of the year, arguably in Brett Brochu in this, in the second round really hurt their uh, ability to maybe go on, but that doesn't take away from the pain that they were two wins away. And I think that's going to linger all season long because the majority of those players are coming back. I think that an OHL finals appearance, a potential championship is what is in store for the London Knights this year. Well, it's always so tough in the OHL to kind of, you know, draw a little bit of intensity in the early season because not many teams miss the playoffs, right? Uh, it's pretty tough to to find your way out of the playoffs consistently. The Knights have obviously found their way inconsistently. But how do you draw yourself into a spot where you're looking forward to the playoffs and we haven't even dropped the puck yet on the regular season? Well, you just got to look to Dale and Mark Hunter. They've done it for however many years now, even in years where they've been absolutely dominant. Uh, you look back as early as to the 2016 season when they had a returning team of Mitch Marner and Christian Dvorak and Matthew Kachuk, and they just were loaded from front to from from front from top to bottom. Sorry. And Mitch Marr went on a season where he scored 115 or 120 points. Matthew Kachuk was tearing it up. And that line as a whole just demolished the league. But there's little moments throughout the season, whether it's an injury, whether it's a younger player stepping up and making an impact. Last year for the London Knights, a guy like that was Jacob Julian, who came out of the U18 draft and made his mark for his size and speed and his ability to, to make an impact on the third and fourth lines and played his way onto the roster. That's going to be another player coming back to this organization, potentially, who could really make a, a really big impact throughout the course of the season. So the Hunters always find ways to, to come up with motivation and deliver in maybe lulls of the season, especially where there's long gaps between games or you're going three and three on the road and you're going into the Sioux and up to Ottawa and you're coming back down to take on Flint afterwards, whatever the case may be. But I wouldn't put it past the hunters to find a way to give a motivational, to send a motivational message at the start of the season and keep it up throughout the course of it as well, because they found a way to do it even in years where they have dominated from start to finish. Kyle Grimard joining me here on the Smitty and Mitty show, co-host of the night shift podcast on AM 980, as well as the host country one Oh four mornings, Kyle, we're got about a couple questions left here before we can finish things off here for the show this week. One thing I really wanted to touch on, because you kind of brought it up a little bit at the start of the show, but we didn't go into a whole lot of 
depth, a whole lot of details. Is there a weakness on this London Knights team that you can see in the early going? Uh, we talked a lot about the forwards, the defense, the goaltending, everybody on this club and all the returning guys. Where do you see the biggest weakness, the biggest hole in this Knights lineup uh, heading into opening night? I mean, again, like I didn't think there was a question mark in net. It was kind of one. It was a little bit easier to pick at. But now that that trade happened, the goaltending for me doesn't really scare me all that much. But what has hurt the Knights in, in past years have been injuries. It's been guys who make such an impact for this team go down and the Knights are trying to find a way to patch that hole. And I think for the Knights, if they can stay relatively healthy over the course of the season, I think that will be a big one. But the presence that Logan Mayu had last year on the back end is going to be a tough one to fill, regardless of how deep that the Knights are. I believe that guys like Sam Dickinson and Isaiah George and Oliver Bond can fill that collectively. But Mayu was playing roughly 30 minutes a night. He could take the puck from one end to the other and score at will if he wanted to. And his defensive game really came uh, over the back half of the season and really was put on display where it looked like a man uh, among boys at times. So if they can find a way to fill that hole of Logan Mayu and a player emerge kind of taking on that type of role or at least split between a couple of guys, I think that's going to make that blow a lot less, um, you know, a lot less painful for them. And then I just think up front, you know, you got to find a way to make sure that that depth is seen throughout the course of the lineup you know we know guys like Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan and Casper Hultonen are going to be uh, you know the forward thinking guys but there's a lot of young players who have a lot to prove on this team and young players in the past have stepped up and delivered on those roles whether it's guys like Antonio Stranges in his first couple of years or even a Luke Evangelista who in his rookie year didn't score a goal and then came out his next year scored a hat trick I think seven games in and eventually put up 20 goals on the course of the year but a couple guys I'm looking at Sam O'Reilly is a big one for me. I think he has a really good opportunity and, you know, he's so well liked within the team, within the organization. He's a great locker room presence. And from what I've heard from him as well, you know, he has really come out and, and taken ownership with so many guys at NHL camps. He stepped up his play a lot. And then Will Nickel, who right now is dealing with a little bit of injury right now, but Will Nickel's a guy that showed a little bit last year as a rookie and maybe coming in this year with a little bit more leeway in playing time, you know, potentially could be a guy and maybe the second, third, fourth line, whatever you want to call it. And if he finds a way to make an impact there, I think the Knights are going to be good, but it's a lot of question marks and we're going to find out real soon. Certainly looking forward to it as the OHL season kicks off this week. Uh, Kyle, one final question. Any trips planned to Brantford this year? Because I know a lot of people are excited to see the Brantford Civic Center bumping again as the Bulldogs move uh, to the telephone city. I Listen, I, I have to at this point. I've heard so many amazing things about it. And it's a shorter trip for me from London over there as opposed to Hamilton. But you know, I was just in Hamilton a couple weeks ago as well. I know that there's some fans in Hamilton that, you know, are, are sad about it, but I think it's going to be good for the league as a whole, because I think it'll determine one, whether Brantford can be a permanent home for the Bulldogs. And two, if Hamilton is really clinging for a team again, maybe there's a potential for an expansion or a move, but nevertheless, I, I'm excited for Brantford. I think it's going to be really fun for that city to get, to get a team in there and, and to see how they do. London Knights open the season Friday night against the Niagara Ice Dogs. Kyle, uh, give me a final score prediction on opening night. I won't make you predict what the season record will be, but give me a final score prediction on opening night. I think the that Knights are going to come out firing, and even if they're missing a couple guys up front like Easton Cowan or even Denver Barkey, I just I think they're ready to go. I think they they put a good statement on, and I think it's a good five to two victory for the Knights. Five to two. That's the prediction coming from Kyle Grimard uh, for opening night as the Knights take on the Niagara Ice Dogs to kick off the OHL season. You can catch the game with the voice of the Knights, Mike Stubbs on AM 980, as well as uh, Rogers TV locally as well. Kyle, thanks for joining me. Pleasure to have you on the show again, uh, and we'll have to talk again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I love what you guys are doing, and uh, it's always a blast being on here. It may be warm outside, but it's never too early to get ready for the upcoming curling season. Check out the new Goldline catalog and gear up for the 2023-24 season. You can download a copy or request a physical one at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, 
I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network across our network of stations here on Ontario. Noah Smith, Tyler Middleton back here on the show with me after a brief period of time. Without him, thank you to Kyle Grimard for hopping on this week. Kind of a short notice interview for him, so I appreciate that. Uh, and helping me uh, kind of kick off the OHL season, talking about the London Knights and what we can expect from this them this season as promised hopefully some uh owen sound attack talking and, and hopefully some ottawa 67 stock down the stretch as well as we cover our bases with all of our listening markets we try to i know we don't get out to the ottawa conversations very often and i i, I wish we would because you are a senator's fan and I, I like it when you talk about when you get passionate about it did you watch any of the preseason uh battle of ontario earlier this week i checked out a little bit of it but admittedly um was running around doing some other stuff uh senators also introduced new owner michael andlauer this week so that was uh exciting that is officially like done deal book is closed andlauer is in uh and kind of a new era for senators hockey getting started did it not seem like a pretty small price tag like it's, i'm not even trying to be funny or or trying to like put down the Ottawa Senators as as a Leaf guy. I'm just, a general question. Didn't it seem like not that much money? Uh, there was a rumors going around that it was going to be more than what the final sale price was. And I think that's what kind of got everyone going. I didn't think it was that bad. Like, that's kind of what I would expect. Was it like 700 mil or something like that? I can't remember off the top of my head what the actual final tally was. Probably something we should prep. Probably something we should know. Well, maybe it's just because, like, you think of a lot of the other sports. And I, hockey probably does have the smallest, um, uh, like, a, a value teams in all of pro sports. But it just, it shocked me with how little I thought um, an NHL team was worth, or at least a Canadian NHL franchise was worth. It all kind right. of surprised me. All right. All right. Uh, according to this article, it was $950 million. That's not what I heard. Which was the highest total, record total for an NHL franchise. Obviously, some of them haven't been sold in a while. But Oh, does that not seem like that? not that much? Mm, I think when you compare it to, like the NHL is not a, a big money league in comparison to the, the NBA, the MLB, the... I mean, I know it's no, the right? NFL, but didn't... Didn't Washington just get sold for like hundreds of billions? Hundreds of billions? Oh, is it not a ridiculous amount of money? I don't think so. Like we're just kind of shooting off the top of our head now, but yeah, that what's new? What's new? (laughs) It would be weird if we did all opinion, no fact here on the show. Okay, you take it wherever you wanted to go. I'm looking up to see how much the Washington Commanders were sold for. Okay. Um, we're going to talk some baseball here on the show, the Toronto Blue Jays in the thick of a playoff race. And to be completely honest with you, by the time this show goes out, you will likely know if the Blue Jays have clinched the playoff spot. If they haven't, by the time this show has go- gone out, then you know, like everything hit the fan in the final week, of the regular season, not good. And you're probably not going to want to listen to us rant next week. If the Jays are not in the playoffs by the time this show is reaching your airways. Uh, but one thing I did want to talk about, we don't have a whole lot of time here on the back end of the show. Um, and this could go as a really quick conversation or we might get in depth. I don't know how this is going to go, but I was thinking earlier this week, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer kind of announced this week that um, coming into free agencies on a one-year contract with the Blue Jays, he's not looking to go anywhere that has turf, but he wants to stay in the AL East. Says he likes it there. That basically puts you down to three teams. Sounds to me like he really wants to go to the Yankees because he likes playing in Yankee Stadium. And my question for you, sir, why do the Blue Jays still have turf? I was only off by $94 billion. Okay. They sold for $6 billion. Six but, billion. Still, but still, that's a lot more than $900 million. I will give you uh, the benefit of the doubt because $6 million to, or $6 billion, what was it, $6, six billion? 
6.8 billion. Yeah. 6.8 billion to 100 billion for us might as well be the same number. Yeah, it doesn't really matter at that point, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> like, like for us, that's it's the same number. No, that's just the difference between 70 and 73 points, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the question was, why do the Toronto Blue Jays still have turf? Why do the and, Blue Jays still have turf inside the Rogers Center? And my answer is because they cannot have grass. It's impossible. There's actually a uh, a division of the University of Toronto that their sole um, job was to, or their sole research was to try and figure out how to put grass in the Rogers Center. Um, but there's no drainage at all. So you can't water grass without drainage. So they would have to build a new stadium. Can they not put that in though? Like, can you not? That would cost billions of dollars, I would assume. Because you'd just, have to I... you'd have to tear up foundation to put drainage system in. Let alone the fact that you'd have to uh, then have the roof open at almost all times to keep the grass, you know, alive. Uh, start drilling important. holes in the foundation so we can drain water. Like, I feel like this problem is not that tough, and I'm not an engineer. But Milwaukee, Wisconsin gets nearly the same weather, if not worse than Toronto, and they have grass. But they also have like an open air system, right? It's not, they don't have a complete dome. They they have the ability to lift their, their roof up and get like, you know, fresh air in without rain and such. That's like, and like, and like, and like windows around for grass, right? Yeah. And or it might as well be the for, same for thing sunlight. as Rogers Center. It might as well be the same thing. You know how they keep their grass alive? Giant UV lights on the field. That's how they keep the grass alive in Milwaukee. Why can't the Jays do the same thing? That just sounds like a massive investment for almost no return. Just so you can keep Kevin Kiermeyer? No, it's not. <laughs> it starts with Kevin Kiermeyer. It ends with everybody else in the history of sports who hates playing on turf. Let's not let like let's not get this wrong either. If Kevin Kiermeyer, if the only team that offers Kevin Kiermeyer a contract is the Toronto Blue Jays, guess where he's going to play next year? Uh, yes, obviously. He's just saying that because. He's 31 years old who with a guy who's had hip problems before. Like, obviously, he doesn't. And he's played on literally turf his whole career after being in Tampa Bay and then going to Toronto. So he probably just he wants, wants off change. turf to, to help himself, help his knees out a little bit, which is understandable. But I just don't think with with the difference. If Have you ever been to Olympic Stadium? In Montreal. Yes. Yes. Have you ever stood on that turf? No. It is. I don't even know how to explain it except for it's just like a really thick carpet like it's it's it it hurts to just stand on it hurts your knees to just stand on it the turf at the rogers center now which i've also stood on is is like grass like it feels just like a, a firmer grass like the the technology has come so far that the difference between having turf and having grass i feel like isn't really that much until you go to slide on it have that you been on the longer. have you been on the new turf in the rogers center uh, like the brand brand new turf no i was on probably three years ago the turf that used to be in the rogers center is now at the field of dreams in dorchester mm -hmm. that turf seems like really good so i can't even imagine what the exactly that's that's kind mm -hmm. of my point I, I feel like like obviously if you're gonna dive and get rubber burn from all the little pellets or rug burn just from the actual turf like yeah that's probably gonna hurt which is probably why i think a lot of the outfielders wear long sleeves and such but to run on it, I think the technology has come so far that to spend the multi-billion dollars it's going to cost just to put drainage in to do, you know, a, a, apparently massive UV lights attached to the ceiling, let alone, let's just make sure like one of those doesn't fall and, you know, smush George Springer. That wouldn't be very good. That's a lot of money invested there. Just it seems like a, a higher risk for no, no reward almost. Just roll out some sod on game day and call it a day. After so just loose saw it. Just loose saw it down after there. The home stand's done. Rip it out. Don't even worry about watering it because the next time they come home, you're going to put in new grass. <laughs> Rogers has money. This? Have you seen my phone bill? Rogers is doing fine. Okay. Rogers. Okay. I feel like we're exaggerating now because I don't think your phone bill is going to pay for new new sod every time the Toronto Blue Jays return for a home. With the stand. amount I pay in a phone bill every year, they could at least sod that infield once. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I truly don't think that's real. I think they could maybe they could maybe sod like the on deck circle with the money you give them each year. Yeah, but you don't want to sod the on deck. The question is, if I yeah, that would be silly. Bill, can we put be grass? Silly. Can we put grass at the Lucan Memorial Center if I stop paying my phone bill? That's the better question. If we don't have grass, oh, on the infield, yeah, could I put grass in if I just don't pay my phone bill for? That is more realistic for us to put grass on the infield. 
in Lucan than for them to put full grass at the Rogers Center. Well, obviously, the drainage there is impeccable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the best. One of the best in the league. <laughs> All righty. Uh, we're uh, up against the wall here on our third segment. We're going to wrap things up on the other side of the break. Uh, you're listening to the Smitty Mitty Show here across the TSMS radio network. It may be warm outside, but it's never too early to get ready for the upcoming curling season. Check out the new Goldline catalog and gear up for the 2023-24 season. You can download a copy or request a physical one at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Smitty Mitty Show segment for saying goodbye for yet another week. Sponsors, Dave Milton, Sun Life Financial, Life is Brighter, Under the Sun, Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. And all of you for listening, please check out the Smitty Mitty Show, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find us anywhere on any of those platforms. Or, or X, not X. Twitter anymore. I don't it's know what to Twitter. call it. I'm, I'm It'll always be Twitter. Twitter. I don't care. Um, check out the podcast which is basically just the radio show. So if you listen to the whole radio show, don't check out the podcast because it's yeah. the exact same. But if you do miss any episodes or you want to go back to some of our impeccable episodes of guests uh, such as Dan Shulman, such as uh, Ron McClain, such as, you know, uh, Jay and Dan, any of these people you want to hear us converse with, check out the podcast, Spinning Mitty Show on all the podcast platforms. Great job. Great job. Couldn't have rounded up the show better myself. Uh, is that did, all the time I, we needed? I didn't actually ask how much we needed. Oh no, we just talk until we just talk until we're done. The station do what we want. Oh, we dude. run the show. And if you're the program director, just close your ears for that part. Well, Zoom just popped up and said we only have nine minutes left, so we're gonna okay. have to wrap it up. In to, nine yeah, minutes. we are gonna have to wrap this thing. <laughs> Uh, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you as well, Kyle Grimard, hopping on and talking some uh, OHL and London nights. Hopefully we'll get to uh, a few of our other markets in the coming weeks. From Noah Smith, Tyler Middleton, thank you for watching with us on Rogers TV, listening with us across the TSMS radio network, and of course on the podcast. We'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.